0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيب قلوبنا وشفيع ذنوبنا نفوسنا ابن القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين واللعنة الدائمة على أعدائهم أجمعين من الآن إلى قيام يوم الدين السلام عليكم dear brothers and sisters I hope you are all well and welcome to our last episode of the Tafsir of Dora al podcast. It truly has been a wonderful journey, and uh, inshallah, in this episode I believe we'll bring uh, the uh, the Dura to an end. And hopefully, there will be. I uh, hopefully it has been a, a a beneficial podcast, and I know that I have personally benefited and learned quite a bit going from the first episode all the way until. Uh, this last episode. We ended in the last episode on this line uh, where we said or oh, Ali ibn Abi Talib was saying Oh the one whose name is a remedy and his remembrance is a cure. And we talked about this a little bit. We said that there is an apparent meaning to these two lines and then there is a deeper understanding of these two lines as well in the apparent sense yes the name of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can be a sense of a or a, a factor in the curing of someone's disease or illness and that's why for example we recite Suratul al-fatiha for someone who is sick or sometimes we do tabarruk to Suratul al-fatiha uh, to cure the illness of an individual at a deeper level however we said that These two lines are speaking about the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as in the characteristics and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We said each and every one of the attributes that He has is there and it fulfills one of the needs that the human being has. And because of that, every one of His names, every moment you remember Him, one of your spiritual ailments are essentially taken care of. One of your spiritual ailments are cured, right? There is They are a remedy for your spiritual ailments. And this is a very deep understanding of, of these lines of the dua. And if someone really thinks about it, you'll find that it really makes a lot of sense because the names of Allah Subḥānahu wa Ta-A'la, each one of them, they take care of one of our worries, one of our needs, one of our spiritual ailments, and so on and so forth. So this is what these two lines meant at least uh, based on one of the understandings. Then after this he says this: "Yaman ismuhu dawa wa shifa wa ghina." Oh the one whose obedience is a source of wealth. His obedience is a source of being needless. Ghina is referring to someone who is wealthy, and because of that, he doesn't have need towards others. So it doesn't really refer to the wealth itself, it refers to the result of having wealth. Okay, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wallahu huwal hamid, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the ghani, doesn't mean that he has a lot of wealth, though he might have a lot of wealth. It means that he is needless, it means that he has no need towards others, he is not vulnerable towards others. So this is what this line is saying. The one whose obedience makes you needless. But we have to delve into this a little bit deeper to understand what exactly it's saying. What does it mean that you obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you are needless? This is in fact a very important line in the du'a. It, has, it carries a very practical lesson for us as well. What the imam is saying is that if a person is the type that he obeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this will make him needless of worrying about any other thing this will make him needless of worshipping anything else, this will make him needless of the people of this world as long as he is worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as long as he, as he is obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what people say, what people do, what people have in mind for him none of this matters anymore he's needless right? He doesn't need. He's not vulnerable to what people do anymore because he has Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala on his side. This is a big lesson, really, right? And the more we understand this, the more we act upon it. Inshallah, the more we will see it in our day-to-day lives. That instead of worrying about a hundred and one different worries, the human being who obeys Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala he only has one thing to worry about, right? There's one God, he has to obey that one God and that's it. He doesn't have to worry about his rizq, doesn't have to worry about what people think about him, doesn't have to worry about pleasing every human being that he comes across or that he interacts with. He doesn't have to worry about any of these things. ghina. The moment I obey Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, the rest of my life is taken care of. Yes. It doesn't mean you don't have to put in effort when you're dealing with people. It means that you will have the support of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. That's why the hadith says, "The one who is concerned about his relationship with others, let him not be concerned because whoever solves and fixes his relationship with Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala will fix his relationship with others." This is ta'atuhu ghina. That means obey me, I will take care of everybody else. And in some ahadith we have that the one who fears me, I will make it such that everyone on earth will fear him. Not in the sense that he'll be scary and it'll be spooky or anything like that. In the sense that they will consider him to have a lot of importance, yes? They will give him importance when he says things, when he asks for things. And in other ahadith it says that the one who obeys me, I will make the world obey him. The creatures of this world will obey him. My creation will obey him and so on and so forth. So when the when the line says, وَطَاعَتُهُ this is what it's referring to. That if I worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this obedience automatically makes me needless of all these other things that I have around me, yes? One thing I can take care of, that's the one thing I have to worry about. The rest of it I don't have to worry about. And this is what Yusuf was speaking of when he was chosen as a prophet in the prison and he was speaking to the people in prison, right? If you remember in the story of Yusuf, those two individuals who asked for the interpretation of their dreams, Yusuf said, sure, I'll interpret your dreams. By the time they bring the food, I'll interpret your dreams. He He wanted to give them the interpretation of their dreams, but before that, he added a couple lines and he started to explain monotheism to them. And amongst those lines that he used to explain monotheism to them, he said this, he said Is it better, does it make more sense for you to have all these gods, all these lords right? hundreds of them that you have to please or you have one god and this one god you worship which is the essence of tawheed, right? This is what we find here as well Tawheed in my life means I don't have to worry about a hundred different things I have to worry about one thing. That has to be my number one priority. Yes, the other things I will put effort into, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of those things for me in terms of the results. And if the results don't come, even if I had put in much more effort, the stills the results still wouldn't have come because he wouldn't have wanted me to have those results. Yes? I only worry about one thing. This is why you find Imam al Qadim he explains to Hisham, his famous companion. He says, Ya Hisham. قال الله عز وجل وعزتي وجلالي وعذمتي وقدرتي وبهائي وعلوي في مكاني. swearing by the the greatest of things yes swearing by his own status and by his might and by his pride and by his his loftiness لا يؤثر عبد هواية على هواه إلا جعلت الغنا في نفسه. there is never a servant of mine who gives preference to what I want over that which he wants over that which he desires except that I put a sense of needlessness inside of him yes he doesn't care about people anymore in the sense of he doesn't care about what people say about him doesn't care so much about what people think about him. So there might be people who might accuse him, might label him, might say terrible things about him, backbite about him. It's not that he doesn't care in the sense he's not affected at all, right? He is affected. He does become sad by these things, but it's not like he keeps out keeps him up at night and he can't he can't sleep and you know it's taking over his life. No, these become he becomes needless towards the human beings. From a financial perspective, he doesn't look at what other people have. You know, some people. The only thing they're doing 24-7 is looking at what other people have This person has ghanah وَهَمُّهُ فِي آخِرَتِهِ وَكَفَفْتُ عَلَيْهِ ضَيْعَتَهُ And I will take care of his needs I will take care of his sustenance وَطَاعَتُهُ غَنَى إِرْحَمْ يالله. إِرْحَمْ مَا لِهِ الرجا. Have mercy on the one whose only capital The only thing he has to rely on is his hope and this is really a reiteration of what he said before that only, forgive the one who only has dua. Dua and hope, these are referring to the same things here. And the only tool and weapon he has is his tears. This is the utmost level of vulnerability. Yes? That the way you threaten someone is with something that is not threatening at all. Yeah, if you think about it, it's a very beautiful line, right? It says, you know, the, only, the most dangerous thing I can do against you is sit here and cry, right? You've seen children, for example. What's the, what's the scariest thing that a two year old can do with you, right? Scariest thing a two year old can do, a one year old can do, is cry. Because when he cries, then what happens? Your, your mercy, right? And, and your kindness is essentially called upon. You can't just sit there and see him crying. That's his quote-unquote threat. Very beautifully, Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying, I am as vulnerable as this child, as this infant, that I have nothing to go up against you. Only thing I have is my tears. I know if I bring my tears to the table that you will respond, that your kindness will be there for me. Ya Sabiran oh the one who showers blessings upon me. Sabir meaning the one who showers something upon someone. Ya Sabiran Ya oh the one who takes away and turns away balaya and difficulties and problems that never even occurred to me that were supposed to happen to me. You make them go away. Dafar is different from rafa. When they say rafar, it means to uh, you know to pick up something. Right to remove something. So if something happens to you, then Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala solves the problem. This is what they call raf'a with a with a ra or you know with a r, so to speak. Right, but the the hadith is saying or the dua is saying Ya an niqam, da'f'a with a D-dal It means before it even happens, you make it turn away. Yes. How many times do we find ourselves in situations where something terrible was supposed to happen and it didn't happen? This is da an niqam. And we talked about this before, because the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us with are of two types. There are the tangible things that He puts in front of us, and then there are the things that He doesn't allow to happen to us. The Imam is referring to both of these here. Ya al Oh the one who's the light. For those who are lost and they are lonely in the dark. He is a means of guidance. Ya Aliman la yu'allam, oh the one who has knowledge that no one else has taught. Salli ala Muhammadin wa ali Muhammad. Send your blessings upon Muhammad and his household. If you remember at the very beginning of the dua, we started with salawat and here at the end we end with salawat. Why? Because the prophet and his household are the channel between the human being and Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. And specifically this, this status goes to the Prophet, Salawatullahi, who is the greatest of all of them. And philosophically and in the science of irfan they speak of the role and the status of the Prophet. Beyond this role that we know of in the physical realm, there is a higher level and status for him as well that has to do with his connection between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the rest of creation. Not just his own ummah the rest of creation including the other prophets as well so we started at the very beginning of Dua Kumil with the Salawat and we end with the Salawat because whatever blessings are going to come to us they are going to come through this channel of the Ahlul Bayt and I think you know I want to say that this one line is really the summary of the whole Dua if we wanted to summarize Dua kumil in one line One could say that this is the summary of the whole dua. Treat me the way you are. Don't treat me the way I am worthy of being treated. Because if you treat me the way I am worthy of being treated, (laughs) I'm in trouble. I have so many shortcomings, I have so many problems I have betrayed you so many times, I have turned away from you so many times I have disrespected you so many times Don't treat me the way I am You treat me the way you are Yes? You know sometimes you come across someone who is very forgiving And someone ignorant is passing by and they just say something towards them They slander them, they, they say something horrible right? What does this generous forgiving man do or woman do? They will look at themselves. They will say, I will treat this person the way I am. I'm forgiving. I'll forgive them. Yes? I'm not after trouble. I'll let it go. I'll let it pass. That person has problems. That's his problem. But when it comes to me, I'll treat with him. I'll treat him the way I am. With my forgiveness. With my grace. Here we're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of the dua, Ya Allah, I know I'm, you know, I have these issues and I have these problems. But you don't. You're forgiving. You're wonderful. You're the one who's perfect. So treat me the way you are, not the way I am, not the way I am worthy of being treated, but the way you will treat others. Treat me in that way. And send our abundant peace and blessings upon the Prophet, his Messenger, and the Imams, the holy Imams of ours. With that, inshallah, we'll bring this last episode to an end. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the tawfiq to act upon uh, the teachings that we learned in this du'a. If we called Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ya Sari'ar Rida, I hope that He makes us Sari'ar Rida. Uh, if we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive the many sins of ours, I pray that we plan inshallah, to stay away from those sins and that we really internalize the message of this dua of Kumail. Thank you very much for being with us and uh you know walking with us on this journey and I hope and pray that inshallah this has been a beneficial journey for all of you it definitely has been for me and I pray that inshallah if you if there was anything that you learned or benefited that you will inshallah keep us in your duas with that inshallah I will bring the episode to an end. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi